back up and start. So conventionally we might say, well, start where you are. I think that's what Pema says in here. Start where you are, but uh, I don't really know where we are, so it's kind of hard to do that. But if you back up, then you get some kind of position. You get some kind of understanding. Uh, this isn't meant to be uh, fruition. This is meant to be path, if ground, path, and fruition. Ground is, we're not happy. If you were happy, we wouldn't be here. You'd be somewhere, as I've said before, being happy. But So we're here, so there's something, some kind of distress is going on. Some kind of, uh, something's out of whack or out of adjustment, and there's, a, there's some kind of abrasiveness happens in all the six sense fields, and particularly, particularly the mind, uh, the consciousness part that feels like somebody. It's like somebody who's feeling, some smelling, tasting, touching, some identity who's doing all of that. So by saying back up and start, it's like it has a, that metaphor works a little bit uh, with sitting meditation because when you're when you're doing sitting meditation, you're kind of backing out of your what would be conventionally your everyday life of doing this, doing that, going here, going there, fixing food, going to work. You're kind of backing out of that. You're backing up. And you're sitting down, and then you're you're starting again. It's just a fresh start. Uh, Suzuki Roshi called it uh, in the 1960s, beginner's mind. So you're 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 backing up, and you're it's a beginner's mind. You're you're starting all over again. You're you're restarting. It's like rebooting something. It's just a, it's something that is a in a relative sense is new. So, and the only kind of newness is actually relative. The other day I. <clears throat> excuse me, gave a talk on where I used uh, the metaphor of the, um, you want peace in the world, you need to have peace in the nations. And peace in the nations, you need peace in the cities. Peace in the cities, you need uh, peace in the neighborhoods. Peace in the neighborhoods, you need peace in the home. Peace in the, ho in the home, you need peace in the heart. So rather than starting in the neighborhoods, not that you couldn't do that, rather than starting in the nations, not that you couldn't do that in some way. Uh, even in the world, maybe if you can um, get enough attention or something to your, into your ideas and so on. The issue with those is that is they, they're actually functioning with uh, an uninspected basis. And that uninspected basis is belief that there is someone solid and belief that there's someone else that's solid. And attribution, I'm doing good, I'm doing bad, I don't know what I'm doing. They're doing good, good, they're doing bad. I don't know what they're doing. It's simplicity, but it's uh, not necessarily a fine-tuned, but it's a way of it's a way of looking at it. And you can start with yourself. You can back up and start right here. You can sit down and whatever you know, the downside, I know the downside is difficult. You sit down and you say, you know, I gotta work with this. Uh, you know, whatever issue may be coming up either in your life that triggers things that are down here or things that are down here that tends to trigger other things out in your life. It goes back and forth, sometimes called warfare. It's rarely called peace fair, uh, if ever. But you can't really make peace. There really, there really is no such thing as making peace. There's just uh, war, unless there's no more, uh, unless there's no war, in which case there is, uh, is it peace? Look closely and see if that's what it is. If you, if you have peace, you're gonna have war. So that's the way that polarity works. So it could be looked at with you in, in your own mind, in your own, uh, it doesn't have to even extend into your home, your family. It can be right in your own heart or right in your own mind. Here's the paranoia. Here's the hope and fear. 
And here's the uh, compassion, consideration, love, understanding. There's no warfare here. There's no peace. There's no peace there here. It's, uh, there's no war and peace is, uh, uh, happens in the polarity areas. And the polarity areas are necessary. You have to be able to reach for something. You have to be able to push something away. You have to be able to bring something to you. You can't have relative situation without all of that chop wood, carry water, chop wood, carry water, chop water, carry wood, which is more fun to say. So how is it done? feels like not doing anything. Uh, the ego mind, the self-centered mind, will even say to you, uh, this is not working. I don't really like to meditate. How about you guys? You like to meditate? Anyone here like to meditate? Must be somebody. You like to meditate? Sometimes. Liar. <laughs> <laughs> and sure, there's a, there's a feeling about, that can happen there that if you meditate enough, well, the very first time you meditate, you might have some uh, sp uh, thrills and spills there. But, but then after a while, uh, it gets kind of bad. And then, then it kind of, if you keep doing it anyway, then it levels out and you kind of feel like, this is not so bad. When I just hold really still and don't do anything, not much happens. It takes a while. And that isn't necessarily a goal, because if we start to talk about the goal orientation, then we we um, uh, do not uh, we're not respectful to each person's individual karma, each person's individual causes and conditions and hopes and fears and the, and the things that are hidden in the dark areas that get triggered by things out here going on out here triggers something that was hidden that we don't know about, and that comes rushing out, and then it's mistaken for actual the truth. Something you have to act on, act on, or acting out of your feelings is quite often just uh, not confusing. To do that. But it's if you don't know what else to do, then you know we can get confused and we can begin to get revenge or or blame or blame ourselves or blame someone else. It's just a endless uh, circle of confusion. So so back up. Uh, even even uh, I sometimes have said in the past, uh, back up a quarter of an inch. And, and it's kind of the same thing, just whatever you're doing, whatever you're saying, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, thinking, whatever you're doing, just back up a little bit. Let, let, let the phenomena do whatever it wants to do. All of it. All the, all the objects, all, the, all the, the sounds, the smells, the tastes, the, the, the feelings, the thoughts, the sights, just back up a little bit. Actually, find that there actually is a, a quality of awareness that is not necessarily glued to the sense fields. It's also not separate from those. But I think it's a good idea to back up a little bit and get a little bit of space around all of that how it feels, how it smells, how it tastes, how it thinks. Just the space around thoughts is just an amazing thing to stumble into. So, if you're feeling stressed or having difficulty with some particular thing, that probably has three or four stories wandering around it to every time it starts to fall over or collapse, the, the worry I'm talking about. The stories come in and say, oh, no, no, you've got to take care of this. You better be thinking about this. What if this gets worse? It's, you, know, you can almost see in your mind somebody or something like, oh, you can't just forget about it. Not familiar? A little tiny parent or some kind of dude, dudette. So, of course, why I'm saying what I'm always saying, and I, every talk, you, you know, if you come to many of these talks, you see I'm saying the same thing over and over. I'm trying to think of different ways to talk about what is this and what do we do with it and how do we work with it? How do, how do we 
uh, develop or support or strengthen or prioritize the, that aspect of our whole uh, matrix we call a conscious being with all of the six sense fields and all of the perceptions that seem to be extend beyond just the thinking process, if you've been there. What, what do we do with that? We prioritize it so that what arises in the mind, the thoughts, the feelings, the smells, the sounds, the thoughts, the feelings, even the feelings. How do you do that with feelings? Feelings are pretty intense. Feelings may have no, the thought may have long ago wandered off and taken a nap and you still have this intense slug in your gut or in your, might feel like it's in your heart. Maybe it is. Maybe it's wandering up. You know, it's going to get some more space here. This, there is space here. There's not much here. A Trump burned the change to say, make friends. You know, find out who you are. Make friends with who you are. This is so important to actually discover this here and the paranoia here and the hope and fear and the, all of the wanderings around that, that go around and feel like uh, they shouldn't be there and they're painful and they're worrisome. It seems to be necessary to not fight with that anymore. And you, the way you, only way you can do that is to go and look at it completely. And uh, as it says in uh, Tisha's Seven Points of Mind Training, one of the slogans in there, relax your attitude or uh, uh, change your attitude and relax as it is. That's not the Jim Gunkonkel's translation. That's Trumper and Pajay's. But relax, relax your attitude. Uh, or no, change your attitude. Is that right? Now change your attitude. You know, we got first. You got to find the attitude, and then just change it. If you're not doing sitting meditation, you won't you won't know understand what that is. You'll you'll you won't find any handles or levers because because there are none. But what there is there is your awareness uh, and your awareness that is grasping on some aspect of your mind is clinging on to something and hooking into something. And there's stories going around saying, "I don't like this. I don't like this. Shouldn't happen. I've got to get control of this." They need to stop this. I need to start that. I need to. I should. They should. I shouldn't. They need to. Uh, it's just a constant jibber-jabber. Yes. So if there isn't any levers, then is it pointless to try to see like what's behind the thought process? No. As long as there's a lot of sitting, as there's a lot of just sitting, just formless meditation, uh, there's a lot of that happening, and I'm saying this it varies, but it seems to like it seems like it's very necessary to sit up. Sit up. You've seen what that's like to sit here for over a month now. I guess it's been. Uh, you know, you, you don't get a bunch of answers. You get a lot of space, but the space actually allows you to see, kind of. This is just a relative uh, metaphor, but kind of the mechanics of how that situation works, of how there's some kind of a. There's some kind of grasping or clinging or hooking into or solidifying of whatever arises. And it's, it has, I mean, we could tell stories about it. Well, it has to do with um, somehow wanting to perpetuate the one who is feeling that way. It's called uh, ego. Go ahead. So sometimes, like, when there's a certain thought pattern uh, swimming around in my mind, it'll go away. And let's say it was bothering me. Um, and then I'll say, oh, it's gone. And then it's just, it's back again. So what is that? Well, you just said it's gone and it's back again. The gone and then the back again, is that a problem? Oh, no. Okay, so it's gone and it's back again. That's just awareness. But when we add on to it, it, it should have been stayed gone and it shouldn't be coming back. So that's what we, we add on. We, and it's very subtle. We, 
it's very hard to see that. The, the conventional person out in the world is, is uh, you know, you sitting here, you may not feel like you're particularly enlightened, but go talk to somebody who doesn't meditate. You'll see right away, something's happened, something that I have understand, not a credential. I understand something about the world or about human beings or about living or about just a, a conversation <clears throat> with people that this person, because they... They don't have a practice that they're they're doing something else with it. There's something happening with them. Have you noticed that? Just a little bit. Doesn't mean that a meditator is going to be um, way ahead of someone else necessarily. But usually there's a more of a tendency to give the situation the benefit of the doubt. You're not quite so sure. Ego doesn't like that. Ego likes opinions, ideas. And you see when you talk with somebody that has, a, what do you think about? This. Well, I don't know about that. Well, what do you think? I don't know either. I'm thinking this and that. Yeah, I see what you're meaning. I think I'm thinking the same thing. You know, it's a, whether it's about politics or whether it's about um, animal husbandry. Didn't think I was going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. I don't really think. I'm not saying I don't have thoughts coming go, but no one's thinking them. I don't know how else to say it to you other than that. that fighting with your thoughts, your ideas, and your emotions is it perpetuates it. So please stop it. Don't, whatever arises, no more. Lose it. The feeling of the ego needs to be kind of, I think, kind of like losing the war so that you, so that when you do, you see you're still there. Something is still there. Someone is still there. How do you stop it? Pardon me? How do you stop it? Stop what? The war. I didn't say stop the war. I said lose it. In other words, <laughs> lose the war. And the way you lose it is you see the way you keep resisting it. You actually see the way that you don't want that. And you're, you're going to push on it. You're going to stop it or push on it or get rid of it or chop it up or be against it. And that can be very... It doesn't have to be anything more than... Um, I'll give you the, probably one of the simplest ones. Here I go again. Don't do that. No comment. And... and that's when the actual identity part of the uh, of the awareness starts to uh, get starts to wrinkle, and its its uh, container starts to get uh, um, starts to become transparent or or starts to become porous, just to use those metaphors. But there's and and, and then sometimes uh, the only thing you can seal those up is uh, is fixation, and sometimes that fixation can be done with uh, drugs. If you go to a druggist. Shall we call them? You go to a, someone who dispenses whatever their credential is. They're probably going to give you a drug that covers things up. I'm not saying there aren't some drugs that seem to operate somewhere near some kind of a relative source. Yes, sir. Do we have to spend up all of our ammunition before we can lose the war? Yeah, you may have to shoot it up a little bit, but it's always about awareness. It's never about what's happening in the awareness. We have to look to, to see to understand awareness. We have to. See what is happening. See the see the resistance. See the you know the pushing and the kind of the uh, what do you call it uh, uh, paranoia that, that comes up. We have to see that, Michael. You say stop thinking. It's thinking. I say that. Don't think. You said. I said don't think. Yeah. Well, I might have said that. I don't know. I don't remember saying it. I, did I say that. I said yeah. I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> no. You're not that great yet. <laughs> <laughs> what I said is there's no one really thinking but that, the way that happens is not by stopping thinking not by stopping anything stopping a war stop, it gets worse and worse and worse I, I'm sorry my friends I don't mean to be negative or pessimistic 
if you, if you, when you understand what I'm saying, you'll see this is not pessimism. This is the truth. And it's not the truth to people who don't believe it. I'm saying, uh, as far as I can from the life that I've lived so far, uh, it seems to be necessary to be completely genuine. This means you may have to cave in to the suffering that you've been fighting with or suffering with or pushing on or pulling on or trying to cover up. When you do that, then, then you see there's no, there isn't anyone. As long as there's any kind of tension, there's, there's someone, there's some kind of a tensioner being tense, someone being tense. So when I say, when I say not particularly thinking, the thinking is totally, uh, doesn't function out of hope and fear. So I may, I may think about, uh, like I did today, I think I've had too much ice cream. That's thinking. Maybe I should have thought about that before I ordered so much. <laughs> is, or not. Yes. Is thinking just adding all the time? Yeah. Yeah, you could, you could actually use that as a, as a particular way of talking about it. You could say a particular metaphor that it's some kind of a math metaphor. Adding, subtracting, adding on to. Evaluating. Evaluating is adding. And it, it might amount to uh, subtracting or judging or taking the, va the inherent value, the, the imputed value away from that. Well, that's no good. Well, that's not going to work. Even if you, this is what's so amazing and why it's so difficult for the ego mind to really be somebody and accomplish something because it's caught up in relative truth. And the thing about relative truth is it's that it's relative. It's, it's only relatively true. It's, it's true up to a point, but fundamentally it's not true. And who you actually are is, is, uh, is not separate from the Buddha, the awakened one. You're, you're living, as has been said way before I got here, we are spiritual beings uh, having a physical experience. The physical experience comes and goes. You're here for 50, 60 years or more. And, uh, and then this all just goes back into the elements. I mean, there may be all kinds of stories about who you were and what you did and your family would, well, you know, I don't need to go into that, but, but it's, there's a short duration there. But while we're here, the Buddha discovered something when he was pretty young and he passed it on to other people. Those people thought, who knows what they thought. They probably thought, oh my God, wait a minute, there's no God. Is there a God? Buddha, is there a God? What did he say? He didn't say anything. He probably had a weird look on his face. Like, yes. Uh, Mariah from Texas has a question. I know two, her. It's two parts. Mariah from Texas. She says, or asks, is changing your attitude a process of changing your thoughts? Or what's the best way to attempt to change your attitudes? So, Mariah, the very best thing you can do, my understanding of this is part of a long series of teachings that some are work pretty well and some are a little bit difficult to work uh, culturally. It's basically about seeing what your attitude is. And so, and the only way that I know of to really see that is to do a lot of sitting meditation, hold still, sit down, be very symmetrical, hold still, even if it's for only 10 minutes at a time. And then if you need to move, then get up, stretch, go to the bathroom, get a cup of tea or coffee or something, come back, sit down. So it'd be very, very... Something about that stillness, even though it's uh, only partial because the diaphragm's still moving, heart's still beating, tinnitus is still rattling in the ear, people are still writing. Is that correct? Is it tinnitus? Depends on who is in the room. And so uh, all kinds of things are, and, you, and when you try to sit very, very still, at first it seems pretty still and pretty silent. 
Then after, after a while you realize that, that there's all kinds of things happening. And the interesting thing about that and the, and the somewhat magical but fundamentally helpful thing about that is you're really looking, after a while, you're looking at the very basis of the way things start out. That's why I say back up and start. Back up and start. Because if you back up and you back up and you back up, eventually it's like backing up into a garage. Eventually you're going to hit the back of the garage. That doesn't work very well. Let's see. What would be for a meditator? Well, yeah, back up into a garage. Back up and back up. You know, I think what is valuable about that is we actually begin to understand for ourselves in some kind of very intimate way that's very hard to you know, be able to write a book about it particularly, but some kind of a, a intimate way where where we see the way things arise. We, we actually, I don't know if you can call it a thought, but we see the way things start up, the actual anger or the sad feeling or the angry feeling or the um, anxiety. We, we see the way it starts up and and that's where I would say that we, you can change your attitude. It's, it's, like a, it's like there's this intense feeling or position that we have about our life, our thoughts about where we're at, what we're doing, who we are, what's going on. And we, because we sit down and hold still and let the whole box of confetti fall down, we just hold still, we actually see it and we actually see where the attitude starts at. And... Uh, and I don't think there's a hand that reaches in there. I don't think there's any kind of mechanism that does it. You, you just, you realize that, that, your, that your awareness belongs to no one. There's no you that belongs to, and, and you're, even though you see the causes and conditions, the, the, the sights, the sounds, the smells, all coming and going, you realize that you are uh, free. I don't know how else to say it. And to... To do it as a practice, I would say the way to do it as a practice, if that particular teaching resonates with you, which some people it really does, certainly has with me, start out by sitting down and looking at your attitude. Look, when you sit down, watch the attitude go from uh, maybe some kind of excitement about sitting, which can happen once in a while, and some kind of a sadness about it, or some kind of just a, you know, just a remorse about all the hours you've spent looking at the wall and nothing's occurred that's been helpful. And you ask your teacher, and your teacher says, go back and sit somewhere. Keep sitting. It's like, you know, you're going down a dark tunnel. It's getting darker and darker. Your candle's flickering because there's uh, bats flying around it, flapping at it. And you <clears throat> pick up your cell phone, and you call your teacher, or you text your teacher, or you, you call him on WhatsApp so you can see him. Candle, see a candle? Really in this dark tunnel? What does the teacher say? Keep going. I mean, that's the, it's, you have to say that, because if you say anything else, you start to turn around, you start to, you start to go away from the very thing you need to look at. And, you know, there are, there are some questions. So there are some, uh, some things, uh, techniques, you know, the, the, the tantric Buddhism, the creation completion practices, the visualization, visualizing the, the chakras and the deities and the chakras and doing the, the various, uh, mudras uh, and so on, and counting uh, counting beads. And I'm not mocking any of that at all. I'm saying that that, that may be something uh, that you could do, might want to do. The way it looks to me, uh, having done some of that, quite a bit of that, is I think the thing that's been the most helpful, as far as I can tell, it's hard to see causes and conditions when uh, uh, looking in the rearview mirror. It's just this. If you can, if you can just see that it's just this, 
it's, there's teachings everywhere. Zogchen teachings, the great perfection. Mahamudra, the great gesture. Maha, great. Mudra, gesture. You know, it could be this one. Could be this one. You know about that one? Me either. I just made it up. Questions? You said to um, sit down and look at your attitude. How can you look at your attitude without having an opinion about what that attitude is? We might start out with an attitude. might start out with opinions. Don't get rid of something that is actually a Dharma gate. You know, I might say, uh, don't have opinions, but I'm also saying we have to look and see that you have you have kind of a, one of the opinions that you have built in that might take uh, the rest of your life to, to see through or see that is untrue is the belief that there is someone. If you have fear, you'll notice there's someone who's afraid. If you have happiness, there's someone who's happy. If you have jealousy, there's somebody who's jealous. If you have pride, there's someone who's puffed up. Especially, you especially feel the pride if, if you're kind of slightly puffed and somebody comes along and goes, they don't have to come out and say, I think you're worthless, you're a complete failure. But they might be critical of something you did or said, something more, something else. You said change your attitude. That's what Atisha said. I'm just repeating it. So in the midst of something that's persistent. Yes. Is there anything to train so it can just kind of give it a poke to remind you to let it go? It could be. It could be. But it, it, you could do that uh, without me suggesting it. You could. Anyone could do that. But it needs to come out of the awareness. You, you need to have spent. I'm not saying there isn't another way where you don't have to meditate. But it looks like you need to sit down and hold still, you know, and call it uh, milkweed. You know, milkweed just sits there and it waits for what kind of butterfly to wait for? Monarch. But just, just sitting, and through that uh, apparent stillness, silence, uh, th- when I say things, the phenomena of the mind start to move in different ways. And, and being, and just witnessing that without doing anything with it s- strengthens the, that part of the mind that what, apprehends or sees or, or allows or, or um, hosts whatever is arising. And when that when that when that is emphasized, then what arises is seen in its uh, purity. And what is that purity? What it, you know what it is? Not separate from anything. And this is where the great perfection teachings like that Mahamudra, Zogchen, Shikantaza, they arise out of that kind of understanding. Trust in the heart. Further questions? Are most of our attitudes dualistic? Yeah, it's can't have an attitude. If there's no, no dualism happening, then there, there's no particular attitude, if I'm understanding what your question is. Yeah. Someone that has an attitude about something, at least that's the way I'm using it. Anyone else have another idea about it? Anyone have an attitude with nobody there? No attitude, no. Attitude. Attitude. Are you the attitude? Most of the yeah. time. Most of the time. Yes, what's your question? Um, what is the attitude? Um, of one who is no longer functioning out of a self another. I think it's. Uh, I think it could happen where, depending on the causes and conditions that arise, that that person is still relating to because they're still uh, living, still uh, you know, eating and sleeping and breathing oxygen and relating to whatever's around. So it could show up lots of different ways, but probably uh, not a lot, not mu- not much. If there's a, if they've used, I'm going to use this in a merchandising kind of way, because it's something like that. Someone is using 
uh, that to um, you know, prioritize their, their, their turning their life over to the service of others, then their attitude might be how, uh, you know, how, what's the best way to help others? To, you have to really meet people where they're at. This means you have to meet people in their confusion without stepping back and being the person who's not confused. You have to be confused with them. You have to be their confusion. You can't be the, the psychiatrist, therapist, whatever, who stands uh, and is the person who has this, all the sanity helping the poor person who's spinning in circles. And don't misunderstand, I'm not saying there aren't therapists and all kinds of uh, psychologists and you know, psychiatrists who are, who are helping people and who are endeavoring to meet people where they're at. And I think it's probably especially true if people have an awareness practice that where they're, where they're really working with their own identity and with their own tendency to, to um, work with gain and loss and so on, and with uh, being right and being wrong. And so I think the attitude would, uh, I don't know, can you ask another question about it or further question? Um, I was just wondering about, you had said that an attitude by its very nature is kind of dualistic. Mm -hmm. And I was just curious about the attitudes mm -hmm. that continue to function while one's not um, buying into the dualism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so one who one who has realized is not is not uh, living without any polarity. It's just the, the the polarity is seen to be not separate. So therefore, there can be very intense polarity. You and I. I'm sitting here. I'm the teacher. You're the student. I mean, it might change around at some point, but right now, this is the way it is. And so. Um, uh, so there's a there is a, a duality in that, but the the duality functions by way of uh, supporting your understanding, your clarity, so that you can understand what this what life is about from the point of view of these teachings. So then my function would be to function in such a way as part of the the polarity, and so that comes out of your projection onto me, and and of my projection onto you. Projections are not gone. Excuse me, they're just seen to be not necessarily true. They're not separate. So, so it's uh, and to, to self-centered mind, that's, that's a little scary because if you lose yourself in someone else, what if, what if you're so close to someone else that you, you know, you kind of cave in? That's a, that's a difficult, difficult area. If you have more, I'd love to talk about that the rest of this hour if you have questions about it. Projections are not necessarily true. Are they ever true? They're relatively true, especially they're relatively true. If you actually have know that it's a projection, then it's really relatively true. Otherwise called a lie. You're lying to yourself about something you're projecting onto it. But when you see that you're doing it, then you don't really have to do anything about it. It's like when you see that you, the, the self-centeredness, the ego is unreal, then you, you don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to get rid of your ego. You're transcending the ego's kind of a misunderstanding. Not to get rid of something that is unreal. Yes? On endeavoring to meet someone where they're at or help them, you said you have to be confused with them. How is that, how is you also being confused helpful? Yeah, so it's not separate. So when I say be confused with them, I'm saying at least don't, don't try to be, <laughs> don't give them any advice. <laughs> Maybe might be a way of saying it. If you start giving advice, that means that you think you know something uh, that they don't. So this is why I've said, and I don't want to get into in this area because this is a, can be very touchy and people have very strong opinions about it. 
you meet someone who uh, who's, talks about suicide, be very careful about what you say to them uh, by way of advice. You know, like just you just have to be careful. I, I can't really say don't say this, say that. I'm just saying be be as as close to them as you can without getting sucked into their mental fabrications, their hope and their fear, and don't abandon them into your own ideas or judgments or opinions about it. Does that help a little bit? I mean, actually be there in all of your senses. And one of the ways you can, it will help you is look at their body posture. Don't add to it. Don't, don't look at somebody and say, well, since they're sitting like this, add on that they're not paying attention or they're lazy or they have bad posture. Just, just register that and then then uh, also register the color of their clothes, the, the sounds outside the building. Just, what am I saying fundamentally? Just be present. You don't necessarily have to figure something out for someone. Sometimes just your presence in the room with somebody who's having a lot of difficulty is all you have to do. Even if they say, well, are you going to help me? Let's just say you're going to help me. And then you respond depending on who they were and what they say. You might say, well, what would you like me to do? I don't know. You're the one who's has all the answers, aren't you? Aren't you one of those meditator people? Why don't you help me? Anybody been there? Yeah, it does happen. And in, in that case, you just you just listen. No no, def, no defense. Uh, and then your own body language might drop slightly. And I'm not saying that as a as something to do to trick anybody. I'm just saying you can act. Just if you're really sincere about helping the person and not just promoting your own self as some kind of a helper and getting credentials for being a helper, well, then you know you might have to give up some territory there. You know, how I don't like to use that word or the give up idea and all that is all. Then it's something that the ego can, sneaky as the ego is, it can kind of be the, the one who gives up the territory. You get a little tiny credential from that that we stick on the shelf and turn off the lights and nobody will see it. Yes, sir? The only thing I found in that situation is you kind of become a mirror. Mm -hmm. For them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, it might be some of that happening. Robert? In what you talk about being with someone in your confusion, it seems to be that if you offer a, a genuine nature in being with that particular person, there's a, some type of energy or something that they can sink to that allows them to find genuineness in you and some of their own attributes come out to see their confusion at times. It seems like it all works for me sometimes. You know, what do you say? I don't know if that is a true representation of what you're talking about. I understand what you're saying. Yeah. How can one work with that type of um, genuineness to without going to the point where you're infringing on your free will to be confused. So uh, one thing that I would say about that is uh, check in on your own intention around it. So uh, don't, don't worry too much about what you're doing with them to not interfere or not do this, but just check in on your own intention. Another way of saying it, which I, I get in, can get into trouble for saying this because then it goes into another kind of a labyrinth of, uh, you know, who's on first and so on, uh, but uh, trust yourself. You're, you're already doing that. You're already a counselor. And I'm talking about the way you work. You, you're working with people yourself, so you're a counselor. So you, you're, people are coming in. It's already a setup. You're the counselor. They're the, the client. And you're what I presume what you're talking about there, probably. 
And I would say um, just your presence is really powerful, especially if you don't do much at all. Just your presence. And then if you need to do something, it, it, if there's lots of space there and you're sharing that space with them, in the sense that they might not think of that you're doing that, but if you're just with them, then insight can arise around that. It'll almost be like you're having someone else's thoughts. And you may. And this to, to someone who is having difficulty, is not particularly balanced, but is having a lot of difficulty in other ways, it can be frightening. You know, you, I'm not sure it helps how to say that. You follow me a little bit? Yeah. Presence. You just, just be there. I say, often say that to sense you. With the, just, just be present. Just be there. Sit in front. Sit in front. You might say something, you might not. Um, kind of that same vein. Earlier you said to cave in or... I don't remember the context, but I was really curious what you meant by that. Just uh, lose the war, lose the whatever's coming up. Uh, you know, could be in the form of wanting to help someone lose. Yeah. I know it's difficult to find a metaphor that um, works. You know, some of the metaphors are, are stretched out so far; it's it kind of breaks down the whole uh, things too much, like two arrows meeting in midair. It's a wonderful metaphor. But it can give you a headache if you think about it too much, unless you're Sato. <laughs> she doesn't get headaches. So I'm just saying it's it's a it's a transcendent kind of metaphor with whether lose the wars are relative. You know, whatever you see that is uh, difficult or you're up against or you're trying to solve, just uh, I'm not saying push it away or go the, you know, run away from it. I'm just saying have a willingness to for it to crumple, for it to just fall away or to be unsuccessful. That way the space in which that is occurring becomes more apparent. Just the space in which things are happening becomes not only more apparent, but you realize that what is happening is not a happening. What is happening is not, there's not something actually happening. There's just space and you're not separate from it. Who you actually are is not separate from space. It's, it's, it's the truth right now. Yes, sir. You've talked about lose the war many times. And in our culture, warfare has a winner and a loser. So when you've been saying lose the war, my understanding of that was along the lines of losing and someone else winning. But today, it sounds like what you're talking about is allowing the war to go away on its own or like misplacing the war. I like that. Oops, I misplaced my war. <laughs> There's not a good word in English for that. No, there isn't, but that's, and yeah, but misplacing it is, is a, and then if you notice, and that's a, it's kind of an interesting idea because you're actually changing your attitude there. I misplaced that. And, and it's not exactly ignorance. People would, uh, who work with passion, aggression, and ignorance and trying to sort that out and make it work for them as some kind of enlightenment engine. Well, are always looking to, am I ignoring? I have quite often people say, well, if I'm doing this and this, am I ignoring? And probably not. If you ask the question, am I, am I ignoring? You're probably not. But you're doing something that ha that is uh, kind of like the twin sister or something of that, or, you know, the evil twin. Uh, but, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, something to that. That's kind of an interesting image. Misplaced. Mis I misplaced my war. So it sounds to me like you're just, that's just your excuse. You just lost it. No? No, I misplaced it. Nobody won, nobody lost. It's just sitting on a shelf somewhere marked Frost Bucket. <laughs> and it's in that big, you know, uh, if you saw, what is it, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and a huge 
warehouse where he's going through the warehouse. It's like it's on shelf number 4,892 million. Yes. Yes, sir. How can we work with changing your attitude and also have a willingness to feel a terrible feeling forever? Well, you might, you might not be able to do the same thing at the same time. But the, what you were saying, have a terrible feeling forever, it's just a... If we notice we're having difficult feelings, so just just make room for that. We we have no we have no way of knowing causes and conditions. If you if you think you know why you're feeling bad in a particular situation, um, you're you know probably incorrect. Not that there isn't a relative thing that triggered something and something else, but the combination of things that come together that crop that are the support of those negative feelings. It's very very complicated, and even if you could figure it out, you couldn't find all the off switches. Because you're trying to squeeze happiness out of relative truth, out of samsara. And, and it can't be done. Life is suffering. The Buddha was not uh, not uh, exaggerating. Life is very, very difficult. We all know this. We know that there's, not that there aren't times when we're feeling pretty good. There are nerve endings. But sometimes they don't feel too bad. We're feeling, but the idea of, uh, of that is just a willing, when the negativity comes up, uh, treat it as a, a one we use quite often is a Dharma gate. Treat it as a Dharma gate. Say to yourself, this is a Dharma gate. I want to understand I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Buddhist. Uh, I've received uh, the precepts. Uh, my intention is to be with all things, to save all beings. And I'm going to do that. that kind of some transcendental stubbornness that will help you be with that. And, and another way that's, uh, these are all devices, and you can probably make up your own and do just as well. But one of the things that's been said is that, is to say, as I accept this negativity, that I don't know what it is, but as I say, I just, I'm with this, and I'll put it in my backpack, I'm going to carry this the rest of my life. Uh, give me all the other people that are dealing with this that don't have a, a, a spiritual path, that are completely swamped by samsara and are having fights and are winning and losing and there's blood flying everywhere. We know that's happening in different places where people are extremely twisted and confused, and, and the only the only way to work with that is to go to war. So we have the opportunity to have a, a big room that no war happens here unless it's happening in your gut. And we have the opportunity to actually be here. We're pretty, as they say, free and well-favored, free to come here, free to leave here. And we're well-favored in that we can even hear such a thing that I am endeavoring to talk about based on looking at it myself for a long time. Yes, sir. Is one way to lose the war just to start to communicate? If you're listening, yes. The part of communication that usually is misunderstood. Listening, receiving, pay attention, give your attention to everything, and then whatever shows up, whatever's moving, uh, receive it. Any further questions? Yes. You said to make room for that negativity. How can we make room while it's coming up? It's kind of elbowing its way in, <clears throat> wouldn't you say? No. Be a good host. Say, have a seat. And if it says, you can't find a seat big enough for me, and say, well, build your own seat. Not working for you. Get another teacher. <laughs> Somebody else might know something I don't. I'll be able to help you. Here's the way. I think there's two people do that, go study with somebody else. I never hear back from them, so <laughs> they never say, man, I never got it. Glad I got rid of you. Yes. Can I not take your advice and just keep you as my teacher? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, you know, as you know, I mean, don't keep joking about it, but I, I everybody should, if I, if I can help you, I will. If, uh, <clears throat> but I, I have to have your permission. If I have your permission, I will help you as much as I can. But I'm not a teacher for everyone. So chemistry has to be there. You have to have some kind of connection. Uh, have to have that. If you don't have it, then probably wouldn't even be here in the first place. I think if you're in this room, probably have a connection with this person. I certainly have a connection with everybody I'm looking at. Takes a while, you know. I think that's something that it's difficult to say that to say. Well, you know, I've been doing this a long time, but it's something about that. And you've been doing this for a few years. And I say, just keep going, keep keep practicing. This is a, a really incredible place to, to live in a, in a place like this. It's just you know, I don't know of any place you can do this without having it be a kind of military situation. Question. Very good. Thank you.